What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. I'm here live from the uh, Gay Pride Parade, standing next to Chuck Schumer, the official uh, referee. He brought his whistle just in case anything too gay is going on. He could be like, hey, put your dick away. We've got kids out here. Oh, wait. They're actually they're allowing that this year. Oh, I, I'm actually getting incoming news from my other headphone that says there's record amounts of penises out at this year's Pride Parade. So, but anyways... It's our new segment of politicians at the Pride Parade. Here I am with me and Chuck Schumer. Look at this. This is green screen technology at its best, everybody. Uh, who else do we have out at the parades? You had Mayor, Mayor Jacob Frey. And I love that he hired a person to follow him with this sign because he just wanted to get out there, shake hands, show everyone how energetic he is. And so he needed someone with a... Uh, I would describe that as a wily Coyote sign, just following them around, letting everyone know, hey, look, this politician's here showing their support also. I think this might have been the funnest of all the political finds getting out there was uh, none other than uh, Nadler, who's like, are you really, do I really have to go walk? Is this this important? I mean, can I show my support by doing something at home? I mean, if there was ever a person that they should have gotten a float for. You're telling me you can't get a nice, comfy, lazy boy out on the top of a big float going Nadler supports the queers? Of all the men that you're going to force to get out there and walk? You know what I love about this guy's strut, though? Because I was watching Nadler. I was watching a little video of him out at the uh, Gay Pride Parade. And uh, he does his own lazier version of... Um, uh, he does his own lazier version of the like Vince McMahon, you know, like the the swinging behind your arms walk, the uh, which uh, of course Conor McGregor has done as well, and Nadler does his own just like slower, lazier version of the exact same walk, and so I appreciated that in his own way, the man seems to bring some swagger out to the parades. Uh, who else did I get footage of at the parades? Oh no, that's the end of the political footage at the parades, but. This was an incident making its rounds on Twitter. You got to be careful even showing this footage if you want to remain on YouTube with uh, with all the uh, orifices being exposed. And this is how much like you guys couldn't even get the rhyme down better. Seriously, you couldn't at least say we're coming for your kids. That at least rhymes. It makes sense as a chance. I mean, even on things as simple as what the chant should be about how you're going to indoctrinate kids, we can't even agree on that. It's an unbelievable universe that we live in. And I'm upset that I miss Pride once again because the amount of uh, pictures I'm seeing of women basically just bathing in Washington Square Park, it's like there's got to be some sort of like an equilibrium in New York City that if so many men are pulling their dicks out, then like the straight women seem to come out of their hiding places and just being like, all right, we, we got to keep a balance here in New York City. They're like afraid that if there's too many men walking with the wieners out, too many other men might see those wieners in the street, realize that they're gay. And so a whole constitution of, generally speaking, I think reserved women take to the streets and they expose their goods also to ensure that there's an equilibrium in New York City. And I for, and I forgot about that this year and managed to set out the whole thing. I left Chuck Schumer out there to police the parade for me instead. Anyone know what, who or what he was blowing that whistle at? All right, we got any other uh, pride, pride coverage here? 
No. Before we get into this topic, why don't we take a couple, uh, you know, comments? We got Roscoe showing up either early. Hi, Rob the Fire. Nice to see you, Mr. Roscoe, man who shows up with the silver. David Whitmer saying, sup, Rob. Anything goes. Nadler in his casual attire. And then Ryan Neary was the Attell Kill Tony, the one you went to. Did my laugh come through? My obnoxious laugh, can it be heard in the uh, in the recording? Yes, I did get to go to that. And it was, uh, dude, Kill Tony was great live. Loved it. Would love to go again. Felt very lucky to catch Attell. Attell is such a legendary comic, and I've seen him perform so few times. Uh, like, I've only seen him get up in New York City a couple of times. I actually saw him once as a kid freeloading in New York, uh, in Newport, Rhode Island. They had this comedy tent which was in a bad like spot because you could kind of just watch from the street without having had a ticket. I never heard who David Tell was, and I was just walking, and I remember just stopping and listening to a whole bunch of it, thinking it was like the greatest thing I'd ever heard, and then later discovering that that was essentially him doing the live version of Skanks for the Memories, which might be the greatest comedy of album of all time. And so that was really cool to catch a tell there. I also got to catch a tell at uh, the Burt Tour thing. Uh, he did like a 20-minute set, which was uh, phenomenal. It was cool to see. And then if you guys have not watched that Attell episode on Kill Tony, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. I'm so bad with names. I also don't watch every episode, but the the, uh, the, the, the big dude, it's kind of like a Patrice-type laugh, the big black guy who's always roasting everybody, who's absolutely phenomenal at that. He had the best line of Attell where he, he said, I remember live just like nearly falling out of my chair, just going, that's like the most creative diss I've ever heard. But the, the line was something like, if uh, if Homeless was a video game, Attell looks like the last bad boss you would have to beat to get a tent. It was something like that, and it was just so great. All right, so there was another video that was making the lines the uh, rounds the other day on Twitter, which was, uh, we've seen these Patriot Front people in action showing up, chanting, marching. You know, the FBI, they got news footage to make, and there's only so many retarded kids that they can entrap into uh, potential terrorist, uh, you know, things that aren't even going to happen. You know, it's great. I, I think the Pride Parade could probably become my permanent thing because with my, my if I just change the direction of my pacing a little bit with forward movements, it does look like I'm just moving with the parade the whole time. Maybe our producer will figure out how to get the, the video going so it's like a treadmill. It just kind of moves with me. I could get into this. Anyways, back to... Uh, you know, the FBI's got to create news stories about the domestic terrorisms out there so that they could pretend like information like this is misinformation and it can't be on the Internet. And there's only so many retarded kids out there that they can entrap into schemes that sometimes, you know, they got to re recruit just autistic Jewish men. Luckily, you know, I, I didn't get trapped in this. I could see where it happens. You're a nice Jewish kid. You're trying to, you, you know, you're a bit of a dork. Your finance degree is not quite working out. You're trying to figure out how you can have a lucrative career. You think maybe I'm going to go work for government. You show up one day and they go, okay, you're a part of our pretending to be a white nationalist crew. And he's like, are you sure? I can't go undercover. I still have my hair. I got this big hook nose. I don't have any muscles. I've never been to a gym. I don't think I can get away with this pretending like I'm a white nationalist who hates the government thing. And they're like, don't worry. We're going to go the Antifa route and we're going to throw masks on everybody. So there was a video that was making the rounds. Even the uh, good people of CNN fucked up, and they're like, hey, uh, w w what are these pro-democracy... Uh, <laughs> it's the most backwards thought ever. What are these pro-democracy, government-loving people doing uh, 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 attacking FBI agents on the ground? So are you admitting that these masked individuals showing up representing the Patriot Front are in fact FBI individuals? So we've all seen it. We all wonder how many people on January 6th were actually FBI agents on the ground. 
How many of the people opening up the doors, provoking them? Your, 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 your Ray Epps taking down Gates? How many of these individuals out there were actually feds? And then you start seeing these organized groups wearing their matching khaki pants, their knee pads, all wearing masks, pretending like, oh, we're, we're a strong and mighty militia group. And everyone's wondering, are these the feds? And so they got into a little skirmish where the other MAGA people were like, listen, we don't want you out here. We don't want you being a part of our thing. And so they attacked them and they pulled the mass off of two of them. And of course, this guy reacts, oh no, I can't, uh, uh, oh my God, my mask. And by the way, doxing people is not cool. Like uh, as I'm doing this bit, I'm realizing, oh, this guy got doxed and that kind of sucks. Maybe I shouldn't have done this one because I'm not pro-doxing. But in this case, uh, it, it is a Jewish kid who wanted to go work in government who somehow... I guess got recruited by this white nationalist militia instead. That's what we're supposed to believe. And the way he reacts to uh, having his mask removed, it's a little bit like in a zombie movie when someone gets bit, uh, where, you know, at first you have to recognize that it happens. Then you got to give the guy a hug and say that you, you let, and then that's it. The guy's off the squad. Can't be a part of the squad anymore. It's like you got bit by a zombie. That's it. You've been made. The internet knows that you're not actually a white nationalist. And the way he's like, oh no, I failed. It's so great though. He he reacts like uh, in that movie, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, where there's that guy and the picture ages instead of him. And as long as he doesn't see the picture, he's not going to age. Or it's like a vampire seeing a sun for the first time. You know, he's going to get the sunlight on him and it's all going to be over. If you guys uh, believe what you're saying, just be like me. Just like... Hey, FBI, how, how much does it pay to pretend to be a white nationalist? Because if anyone's got the look down, it's me. All right, what else we got on the agenda for today? Uh, oh, yeah, Donald Trump, he, he celebrated Pride Parade as well. I don't know if you guys saw that, but, you know, he made sure to get some, uh, some nice colors up there uh, so that he could be more inclusive while, for some reason, he was making orgasm noise while giving a speech. Uh, all right, we're flying through the news today. I better, I better slow down because uh, my guest isn't hopping on till 1130. And my God, are we going to get the information? I hope I don't get my guest in trouble today uh, from all this other nonsense that he doesn't endorse. But we've got a uh, doctor coming on to give us some of the breakdown on uh, RFK. Uh, so this was a great interview. Oh, my God. I love this moment. So Chris Christie, you know, he's a big, heavy guy. And uh, I come from a long line of fat people. So I understand it. I've got, I've got fat genes myself. I'm lucky that I've been injury free for a little while. And so I'm able to exercise on the regular because, uh, I eat a lot of donuts in the afternoon. I guess I, I have a, I guess I have a, like a decent enough metabolism in that, uh, I'm lactose intolerant. And so I think my, my body just like instantly will process these dairy products. Uh, so if I can make a recommendation to other people struggling with fatness, it's, uh, become lactose intolerant eat dairy products in the afternoon and work out daily. And then you could just be like moderately chubby. Um, so as a person who comes from a long line of fatsos and is destined for fatness himself, you know, I'm, I'm not out here fat shaming. I understand it. If anything, I hope that you guys are able to lobby the airlines for larger seats so that by the time I become a larger individual and maybe my career doesn't go well enough to afford business class, I can be a fatso you know, with, uh, with the, the skinny people forced to pay more because every seat has to be larger to accommodate the, the, the larger individuals. So, you know, socialism is great when it works out for you. When people lobby the government and it turns out that you get the exact thing that you needed just free at your door, it's not bad. 
I mean, every time that it benefits the other individuals instead of yourself, it's a losing proposition. But that's why the game now is how can I group myself in with the biggest, loudest losers? Because the biggest and loudest of the losers, um, by biggest losers, I don't mean like Chris Christie size. I mean like, like literally in life, whoever's like the biggest loser. Uh, so if I can somehow group myself in with those, if they're really good at complaining, then I'll get the free stuff too. And so it's a race to the bottom of creating gang groups of the loudest, most losery complainers. And as long as you can do that, you can get the resources from the government and now you're in the winning group. It's a very weird way to distribute uh, resources. It's, it's honestly, it's a modern system. Who would have thought with all the ingenuity 2023 would bring, we would restructure society to make sure that we give the most resources to the biggest losers. But that's the way that we're doing it. And so, you know, if anything, you got to forecast ahead of time which marginalized loser group in society is going to be, is doing the best right now at investing and complaining because that's the group that I want to be in with. So I just want to make it clear, I'm not out here trying to uh, fat shame in, uh, in any capacity because uh, if anything, I hope that more of the currently heavy people put the proper regulations in place so that by the time I'm ready to join this community, uh, you know, I, I have my health care covered. Um, you know, they figured out how to replace hearts and valves and have other people pay for it. And you get me an airplane seat with more with more space in it. You know, good things coming. So if anything, we should all be honoring the fat people that have come before us for getting the legislation in place that, you know, you can have scooters, you can have reserved parking closer to the grocery store. You can have a scooter to collect the food that you need at the grocery store. You can get back into your car that was closer and then be on your way and have other people pay for the cost. I know it sounds like uh, I'm being sarcastic and making fun, but I'm honestly saying let's pay tribute to these individuals for plowing the path for the rest of us to also give up and get heavy. Because at some point we're all going to we're all going to get there if you got the Jewy fat jeans. Maybe you don't. Maybe you got these Gentile jeans where you're just naturally shredded in shape, tall, good looking, and you got hair. But that's not where I'm coming from. So anyways, Chris Christie's on the news. Uh, and, you know, they're, uh, they're just asking him about it. it. It's a fair question. It's a fair question of, uh, hey, we've all eaten a big lunch and then had to give up on the rest of our day. We've all been there. And that's really the question that we have for these individuals. Because it's almost like if you see an alcoholic who's still really, really productive in life, you're almost curious because you're like, dude, I like drinking too. But if I drink the way you drink, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm depressed, anxious, I got a hangover, I can't just get back to work. So you almost see a guy like Chris Christie who's telling you that he can run for president, he can get the job done, and you're almost like, yeah, but how? Dude, if I were to, like, I like eating a big lunch, but if I eat a big lunch like that, I gotta take a nap. We're not, I'm not, I'm not showing up for negotiations. I'm not getting good work done. So it's almost, it's almost like a fair question because we're all curious. It's like, how are you possibly pulling this off? It's like if a CEO was a crazy stoner, you're like, how are you smoking this much weed, but you're still making decisions on this level? If like you were an engineer, like an engineer stoner, you'd just be curious. So I feel like that's almost where this comes from is the rest of us are like, write that book. Can you explain to us how you continuously have these energy levels? Like, I'd like to know that from Donald Trump as well. Guys pick, pounding McDonald's late at night. We've all seen Donald Trump's diet. We see the way that guy, uh, that guy, the way that guy eats, but somehow he can still get up there. He can wave his arms around. He can lie to you. He can smile. He can be charming. Where are these people getting that kind of energy? All right. So with that long <laughs> and overwinded introduction, 
Uh, let's uh, give a quick listen to Mr. Chris Christie here. Once Trump started hitting back at you on a number of fronts, he took aim at your weight. What was your reaction to that? Oh, well, like he's some Adonis? Um, I mean, please. Uh, you know, look, Howie, there are tens of millions of Americans out in your audience watching right now who, like me, have struggled with their weight. I continue to struggle. I continue to try to do better. Um, and so do they. And what's that got to do with my competence for office? I ran the governorship of New Jersey for eight years, um, I think in a very energetic, successful way. Responded to Hurricane Sandy, working 20 hours a day for weeks. Um, I don't know what his point is. You know what it is? It's like a child. It's a bully on the schoolyard who teases you and makes fun of you. But here's my message to him. I don't care what he says about me, and I don't care what he thinks about me. And he should take a look in the mirror every once in a while. Maybe he dropped the weight thing um, off of his list of criticisms. Right. You haven't exactly been secret about it. What? Oh, my God. Did he catch that moment by that anchor? Well, you haven't exactly been hiding it that well. Just underbreathing. well, you are a fat fuck. What a terrible moment. Sitting right in front of the guy. He gets to get his his his, his, his uh you know his pitch out there of like listen yeah I'm overweight that's true I'm a human being I struggle like some other people I admit that it's a flaw but hey I can still get this job done and then the guy's like yeah well you're not you're not hiding it I mean yeah because just mean right to the fellow's face all right let's take a couple comments here we go first we've got. Afix, missed you at Pork Fest, bro. Heart Poach Tour is going well. Dude, I missed all of you fine folks at uh, at Pork Fest as well. Uh, sad it didn't work out. I did get to do a very fun gig with uh, Dave Smith, uh, Jim Florentine, uh, Brian, whose last name I could not, I just, Bodane, uh, and Jim Norton. And it was a lot of fun. It was very cool to uh, to do that gig. Hopefully next year Pork Fest works out. I think... Uh, if any, if if not, I might even just make my own arrangements to come up there and uh, podcast a little bit. Uh, David, the Bali kid, have you thought about recording some stand up at Summer Porch Door and editing into a long special? Yes, I have. I will be recording all of Summer Porch Door and probably putting out clips because I imagine. I, first, I don't think I'm going to do another end of year thing. So all of the topical political stuff that I do this year, which is probably going to be about 10 minutes by the end of the summer, I will put that out. And then there's probably another half hour of uh, topics that I've been working on that I think me and Dave will hopefully be touring again next year and rehitting the same cities. So all the stuff that I feel like I can't repeat anymore, I'll take the best versions of Porch Tour and put it out. I don't know that it will be one coherent special. You're right. That would be the better way to do it. The best way to do it would be to record every show travel the country with the high-end video cameras and, you know, really get something incredible together and maybe some, like, fake mockumentary style about my appreciation for porches in a very autistic fashion and then string it into one one-hour thing. But we'll probably just put it out as clips. All right, we got a couple more topics, and then Thanks we got our guest ready to go. Uh, okay, this was very interesting to me, but uh, there's been a lot of scandalous Biden stuff that's been coming out over the last couple of days. We've been reporting it on all of it. Uh, some of the biggest bombshells is uh, this year. We'll just recap real quick because we've done a lot of this, but we're going to recap some of the biggest bombshells. So you had the FBI always knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was validated and real. At the same time, they took the information off the Internet and they wrote, uh, you know, they, they, they hit up the intelligence agencies and said, hey, we're going to need you guys going to call this uh, missing uh, Russian misinformation. They were able to do it. They removed it from the Internet. The Department of Justice, when Joe Biden starts to run, 
uh, you know, they say, hey, you can't look into any of these uh, bribe things. And they limit the scope of the investigation of Hunter Biden. They stall it and they make sure that it's not looking into Joe Biden. Uh, you've got all of these uh, really interesting storylines of Joe Biden being the big guy, Hunter Biden being in the same house as Joe Biden, from what I understand, and going, hey, I'm sitting here with the big guy. Where are my payments? He promised us some money. You got all this stuff going on. And usually CNN, they're not reporting on any of this. So I saw this tweet. It was in linked into a Zero Hedge article. I will read it for you guys. But this was even CNN is now going for President Biden on the Hunter Biden whistleblower criminal allegation leaks. Looks like below options one and two have now been initiated. Globalists now seek Biden out on health grounds. Hunter out with him faded into obscurity after his plea deal. Trump locked up or disqualified. RFK Jr. marginalized like Bernie Sanders. And Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis presidential race. So this was interesting. CNN was actually reporting on the whistleblower claims against the AG for not allowing them to Firstly, they were going to raid uh, Biden's Biden's house, and that got squashed. And then they were going to investigate some of the bribery claims, and that got squashed. And so you start wondering, why is it that mainstream media is actually reporting on these incidents? Are they starting to actually turn on Joe Biden? And uh, I thought that this was just a reasonable theory. I don't know that they'll be able to pull it off because you look at how Ron DeSantis is doing in the polls. It's not very well. Uh, but... Gavin Newsom does seem to be the only person who's possibly even set up to uh, replace Joe Biden. And I do think that if the deep state did have its way, they would love a Gavin Newsom versus Ron DeSantis because that's two players for the same team. All right, moving forward. uh, This I loved. Oh, if you want a strategy for how you stay ahead of ever being able to get in trouble in life, you just have to make sure that you're doing enough drugs. This comes from the Wall Street Journal. It was from the opinion police, but here we go. To bring more serious felony charges against Hunter Biden, as some critics say, the Justice Department should have considered federal prosecutors would have required compelling evidence that showed the younger Biden took deliberate steps to evade taxes or fraudulently lower his tax bill beyond failing to pay. His defense lawyers also could have pointed to his well-documented addiction to argue that a drug-induced fog kept him from paying his taxes, complicating the department's ability to prove that he acted with intent to violate the law. There you go. The Hunter excuse. You just got to make sure you're on serious drugs, where even if you rob a bank, well, yeah, I was doing hardcore meth at the time. Oh, I forgot to pick up my kids and I left them for 10 years. I was in a drug-induced fog. That used to be defined as being an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? If you're doing all sorts of drugs, and so as a result of the drugs that you're doing, you're making poor life decisions where, like, you're spending your parents' money. You actually you accidentally uh, put another mortgage on the house, and your parents lose your mortgage. You don't get to then turn around and go, yeah, I was doing hardcore. Yeah, that's what makes you an asshole is because you were doing hardcore drugs, and you were making bad decisions. I mean, you think you look at most of the bad decisions, like really poor decisions that people make. It's usually because of they were in gambling debt or they got into drugs because they were an asshole and then they continue to make worse decisions and excuse them on account of the drugs. Does this actually work in court? Can you not pay your taxes and then go, well, yeah, I was in a drug induced haze. And so I just, I just didn't realize that they actually needed to be uh, paid. I just, I didn't realize it. Uh, all right. Last story that I want to highlight. And then we will uh, bring on our fine guest, Dr. Jacob from premier pharma, uh, who's going to expose to us, what RFK is doing that he looks so shredded and uh, whether or not vaccines actually cause my autism. 
But this was a video, Zelensky, it was making the rounds on Twitter. Here's the exact line. I don't need to play the video because he doesn't talk English anyways. But elections should be held in peacetime when there's no war, according to the law. Essentially, the man's gone full dictator. If the Ukrainian people were not into this war, and maybe they wanted to vote into a new politician who would de-escalate, get some sort of a peace treaty going, well, there you have it. I'm sorry. Yes, we can have a democracy. And yes, we can uh, decide whether or not, you know, a different leader might be better suited for making decisions. But obviously, we can't do that while there's a war going on, which uh, would probably incentivize endless war so that, you know, you could stay as dictator forever, never have to run an election, keep having billions of dollars coming over for uh, military gear that's going to be unaudited so that you could send it to yourself for wherever retirement's going to be. And then here was the last picture of the day, which uh, with this picture, I will uh, also bring on my guest. Everyone could take a look at it. We've got, it literally looks like out of um, the first movie with the, uh, my God, the second I need anything on the top of my brain, it's just not there. Captain America. Remember the first Captain America movie where they give him the drugs to make him into a super soldier and then he comes out and looks unbelievable. But as a seven-year-old, I mean, this is why RFK Jr.'s voice is so... He just, apparently, he must be grunting like an asshole at the gym. He must be one of those loud loud grunters. Firstly, not even pressing a lot of weight here for how shredded he looks. So let's start off with this. Dr. Jacob, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. We are now live. uh, And what's up, dude? I don't know if I can... Give me one second. I got to change a quick setting here. Give me one second. Hold on. I don't know if I can hear you. Let me just change some settings. Uh, this is what happens when you just go live. Uh, can you just say something for me? Hello? Oh, there. We're good. Hey, I got you. Cool. Perfect audio. And the, uh, the fans can come on, let people know if they can't hear us. What's going on, Dr. Jacob? Hey, Robbie. How's it going? It is doing well. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Let's Great just start with this. On. Do steroids work? Because I'm looking at RFK oh, shit, Jr. Yeah. here. And how unhealthy are they? Like, how, how, how long do I have to wait in life before it's... Because it seems like once you're in your 60s and you're just in pain anyways, like, why not blow it? Like, oh, what a weird topic that I actually do know some about. So um, MedSync is my first business or my second business that I created, and it does bioidentical hormones. Right. Um, so we do a lot of testosterone. And what I've noticed from the clinicians that are writing testosterone is that if managed appropriately, like, and I think Joe Rogan even talks about it a little bit, like, but if managed appropriately, I mean, it can, um, like pretty much, uh, in my opinion, humans live longer than they were ever meant to. So you kind of have this natural decline of testosterone. Oh, sorry. You cut out there for some reason. Dr. Jacob, I, I don't know why, but your audio seems to cut out. There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's like it was- uh, muting me on uh, the uh, RY, yeah, on your thing. Um, so testosterone naturally declines for adults. Can you hear me, Robbie? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, okay. Um, and with that natural decline, energy goes away and everything. And, uh, you know, sex drive and all this. So... There is like a lot of science saying that testosterone can kind of help with that energy and bring you uh, 
um, back up to kind of your norm. But I think it's due to the fact that just humans weren't meant to live this long. I mean, like our body, um, you know, was not meant to live to 80, which I think is honestly one of the main points that I'm actually going to make for like, because I love RFK, which is the hard part to be on the opposite side, just because I I see so many people arguing it so incorrectly, even though I agree with him on 95% of it. Okay. Well, on the steroids thing, is it a mistake mm-hmm. to start like in your 40s? Or... I would say yes. It depends on your levels though, right? right. So um, if you're hypo, um, you know, adrenod or like low testosterone, um, then you should replace it with testosterone because what we are showing is that most males are at this level. So are you really increasing your risk of things like, um, you know, testicular cancer? Uh, if you're just bringing it up to normal levels and what are the, what are the downsides of having those lower levels? I mean, like low energy, those things have side effects as well. Oh, we seem to get muted, muted again. Is that on my, I don't think it's on my end. Still muted, doctor. There we go. Yeah, it keeps muting it on the program, not on my mic. So sorry. I'll keep an eye out for it if it mutes me again. I don't know. All right. So let's discuss RFK Jr. for a second. So controversial figure. I think by now most people have watched the uh, Rogan episode. 100%. When I was covering in depth everything going on in the world Mm -hmm. of uh, COVID, I thought the Children's Health Defense website seemed too out there that I was not using it for source material in any capacity. When I read his book on uh, the real Anthony Fauci, it seemed a little bit more out there. Uh, mm-hmm. And like I said, it's very cool having this individual out there uh, criticizing some important issues and, you know, and, 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 and gaining some popularity and doing it as a, uh, as a person on the left. So like, there's some very cool elements to him. Uh, but let's start first with the vaccine causing autism, which yeah. is something that I, I guess he's done a lot of work on. Um, so you're the actual doctor here. How sure. autistic are the vaccines making <laughs> our kids? I mean, I I think it would be a lie to say that there's no data to support his claims. But right. um, I think that um, so just to go back to or not to go back, but to kind of give the history of where all this kind of came from. Um, the, uh, basically, uh, autism in 19, I think 98 had this study, uh, that came out that basically showed that vaccines were causing autism. Now, let me pull up the exact, uh, on chat, but when this guy came out, apparently he, uh, the study's design was pretty flawed. Um, and Apparently, uh, this guy actually lost his license after, and I, I want to, I'll just read it off exactly what happened. Um, but the, uh, the doctor that ran the study essentially had a cohort of other doctors kind of review it. And it looked like he, um, missed, uh, labeled some stuff and he uh didn't take into account certain factors he actually lost his medical license now 
before any of this, this is kind of like almost like doctor whisperings that you hear in pharmacy school of this is what happened to that anti-vaxxer because this was in 1998. I mean, I was seven. So this is like historically kind of came into pharmacy school, I would say. And that was kind of just like everybody has kind of heard that story about this guy losing his medical license over the autism vaccines and things like that. The things that I thought were, um, and when I dove into the data, it's it's pretty evident to see what's going on. So RFK is a lawyer, okay? So but lawyers- Just to start with that guy. So that guy who lost his medical license, was yeah. that because the pharmaceutical yeah, companies have enough control over the system that they, you know, That's essentially- That's the question that I started to ask myself, right? Like right. before, before that was never, never the case right because you we just didn't think that way but after covid vaccine and the misinformation it kind of that's what twerked me right so um and i think it twerks everybody it's just like well if they're willing to go to this length to make sure that a vaccine that they invested millions of billions of dollars into isn't a flop because they didn't account for virus mutation which is that shit for some reason like the very first day the vaccine came out i was like this i mean no way are we ever gonna get herd immunity because it uh well i would i wouldn't say the first day first day the vaccine came out for sure we knew it was mutating right, right. so like how how the pfizer's and the moderna's thought that they were going to have a vaccine that was going to have complete coverage is just doesn't make sense scientifically to me um and yet, you know, viruses, you can have herd immunity. So I didn't necessarily know enough about COVID to truly know that it, it's kind of a fool's errand to try and create something called herd immunity. And now, like, it's like what Dave Smith said on part of the problem. What does that even look like to try and create herd immunity with this type of um, you can't you can't force people to give get the jab. And I mean, they tried, but um the, the things that I have in quarrels with the the vaccine are the emergency use where it kind of got to skip a lot of the safety trials that, you know, most vaccines have to go through to get to market quicker. And it didn't skip them. Um, it paused them, sent out the drug to us to distribute because that's what my company does, Premier Pharma. We get all the vaccines, right? And they've got to be in these crazy freezers and shit. Uh, but we have to sit on them and wait until the FDA approves us uh, to release them to the public. But just think about this. If you're Pfizer and you're waiting on safety and efficacy data and you've already made all your vaccines, like that's not free. And, you know, didn't they, get they the really, didn't they get the government, though, to pay for it up front? Like, yeah, I don't think exactly. they were even so, spending their own money on the main. I mean, I'm one to say, OK, so. I fight pharma. So my big thing is pharma reform. And I do a lot with pharma reform with my company. Um, but government grants are the name of the game when it comes to pharma. Um, so the VA, the like, so I'm GSA contracted, which hopefully this doesn't affect that, which I can't imagine it would. Um, but so a GSA, I'm out here showing my support. So absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Are you yeah, kidding yeah. me? I'm getting more covers than anyway. I'm, I'm standing yeah. with Chuck Schumer and his whistle right here. Yeah. But so like GSA contracts, I'll tell you a fluoxetine one. So Prozac, right? Right. Well, I have a Prozac, uh, bid I'm going for. It's 98 pages that I'm having my students fill out. Um, and then we're reviewing and it's a grant, right? So we submit this 
bid slash grant, which it's a service. So it's considered a bid uh, fee for service. But the way we establish drug pricing gets really convoluted. Um, and there's so many back orders that there's a lot of um, things that the pharma, pharma lobbyists, which I kind of just got inserted into since I, um, I kind of fight pharma, but I get the benefits of pharma since lobbyists kind of go for it. We have a lot, a lot less risk than you might get from a different GSA contract. Like um, uh, the benefits that pharma has in the GSA world, like say I, I get back ordered on my fluoxetine, this Prozac that I, I need to provide 100,000 bottles of to the VA, okay? I've gotten one of those contracts before, and then it's a five-year contract. So if I uh, contract for five years with uh, the VA, oh my God, I just lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? I always do that. Man, you're, you're, I'm you're such like, a shit show. You're like me, man. <laughs> no, so I have bad ADHD. Okay. Yeah, and me too, dude. Actually, right. But, um, I I'm very effective when I'm focused. Right. But I get so derailed. Yeah, but I would I, love I, to see you as a doctor and you start explaining the treatment plan. You're just like, wait, just what like, was I telling you? Fucking squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, no, no, which no. Uh, do you actually take any of the uh, ADD medications? Do you bother okay, with any so of them? I was heavily like medicated yeah. back when I was growing up uh, for school and stuff. Right. And it really inhibited my my uh, my ability to kind of think. I felt like right. so when I actually stopped and got sober, actually, I uh, well, soberish, um, <laughs> uh, I uh, basically got off of like the ADD medications. And it's amazing the uh, functionality I gained back from that. It really um, I, people have abused Adderall and done Adderall before. Um, especially doctors uh, studying for exams and stuff. It really does affect your mood. It does fuck with your brain. I mean, and it is addictive. Uh, and, you know, the, it's it's the option for most parents now to kind of level out their kids. And the reason why it does level them out is because it is an overactive brain and it does help with concentration. I mean, it's pretty simple, um, but it's uh, it is meth. I mean, if you were to break it down, uh, it's one methyl group away from meth, I guess. Right. Methamphetamine and amphetamine right. is a methyl group. So, right. I mean, you've got I find, uh, Yeah. I, I find that the, uh, as a person uh, diagnosed ADD and I've taken mm -hmm. all the range of meds in that, yeah. uh, mostly Focaline, not, yeah, yeah, mostly not prescribed, which is the only way you can really sample a wide range of them. Uh, if anything, yeah, they should, dose. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> to find your peak dose. Yeah, exactly. There's a, you know what I mean? Like you can't really work with your doctor to be like, well, can I try one a day of each of yeah. these until I figure out which one I like? But I've noticed uh, this is to me is the advantage. Like I, I can't take this stuff daily. I take this stuff mm -hmm. daily. I start getting angry real quick. I don't know what it's doing, your adrenal glands or whatnot, but it's definitely addictive to where you need it to kind of come up and feel normal where mm -hmm. I do find that the Adderall can I find that it helps in, in two very specific ways. Mm -hmm. One is sometimes doing a task will anger the shit out of me because it's boring yeah. and it's not what I want to do. I'll get and that side effect as well. Yeah. And if I if I take Adderall, I I'm not as like bothered by it, but you've also shut down my range of emotion to enjoy <laughs> things. So yeah. it's like you've now neutralized everything to I'm not really bothered by it, but I also don't really enjoy or care for it. 
which means that things that I hated are easier to do, but things that I would naturally enjoy doing, I don't even necessarily want to do because they don't bring me joy. So I find that that's like a, it's like a weird, and then there's definitely, it's definitely got that Coke, uh, confidence thing to it. Yeah. Suddenly you're just like, you feel, yeah, you feel good. You're like, Oh, I can get this done. I got, I can get, I can do this. The, the untold energy, the uh, lack of hunger, of course, because you're gonna, yeah, you probably lose weight. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, Ritalin and amphetamine both acting pretty much equally as bad just because they're both so immediately acting. Things like Folklin have a little bit longer half-life where so they can kind of stretch it. So it's less of that, you know, jittery <laughs> teeth clenching. It's kind of way it's like, it kind of brings you up from like here to up here and right. you're just kind of humming. Right. But are you truly enjoying it? I usually, when um, I took it, there was a, there was a point of enjoyment, but uh, it went from almost an anxious type feeling pretty quickly after its peak, like two hours right. to three hours in. Um, and that, that 10 hours of down wasn't necessarily worth the three hours of up I was getting from it. Um, and then I didn't want to necessarily go up on dose. Um, so it's, it's one of those things. What yeah. are the, uh, what do you find are the better, like all natural, uh, cause yeah. the problem with the Adderalls is like, I actually find like, if I were to take Adderall 10 days a year when I had mm-hmm. specific tasks, like my tax day, that's a good mm-hmm. Adderall day. You know what yep. I mean? Like, it, it, they don't prescribe it that way. It'd be great if they give you a bottle for just the year. Like a, get like a fucking hundred things done. Let me let me just pop yeah. this and yeah. not care about life for a day. Exactly. But that's yeah. not the way they like it. They want you in the yeah. system. They want you reporting in, taking it daily, because otherwise you're going to abuse tests. it, which yep. is, it's not true. It's because they want you addicted in the system. Um, but I'm there curious. A, there's a truth yeah. to that, because they want to make sure you're taking it and that you're not selling it, right? That's their biggest thing, because yeah, if that's the what doctor's determined, yeah, if the doctor's determined that you got it and hasn't determined somebody else has, then that's against the law, right? Right. I mean, the whole thing's control. I mean, I've been about D, like, um, it's so funny. So this, this is a great example. So Tylenol, if it would have came out today, would have been a legend drug, meaning a prescription drug, because it's so dangerous. Okay. What's so dangerous about Tylenol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's liver toxic. Okay. Right. Now, um, it just exceeded uh, acute liver, uh, like hospitalizations from, uh, like, uh, I believe both fatty liver and alcohol. Now that's acute. So chronic liver is completely different. So don't like. I don't want to like mislead in any way, but like acute injury of the liver, Tylenol is usually the culprit because of overdoses and it converts at uh, above seven grams. It converts to this toxic metabolite that affects the liver. Um, so it's funny. I, I use that as an example to show that it's nothing to do with safety. It's all about control. Right. And, you know, in the night in world war II, when essentially pharma and, uh, the government became married because of penicillin, which I right. can kind of talk about that penicillin septic, you know, sepsis was killing more, uh, army men than the war. Right. So it was a race to get, uh, basically this guy invented penicillin seven years earlier, but they could, they could get enough to get half of a dose of our current dose in seven years. Um, so really pharma blew up in this time because there was a need for higher doses of penicillin for World War II. 
So the government just started pumping money into pharma, right? Government grants, like what I'm talking about, started coming out four or five years for the VA, for the Army, for the DOJ, for the you know, Department of Correct, you know, all these people just started getting these government contracts for medicine. So you see people like Merck, Pfizer, Secklers, like all kind of forming and um, unfortunately moving away from, luckily, uh, a lot of the opiates and stuff, which were a big problem at that time, because basically they were the, before this time, there was not a ton of patents controlling uh, who can buy what drugs. Right. Um, so... Oh, fuck. I lost my train of thought again. Really? Oh, Twice in a row? You were going it's, on about how bad. penicillin. It's bad. I think it's because I'm nervous. <laughs> okay, yeah. So penicillin gets married to the government. Right. And the uh, Merck comes out and starts buying these swimming pools. And he <laughs> buys swimming pools to put bacteria in them to make penicillin. And they start – basically, penicillin is not a scientific – uh, Marvel, it's truly right. a business Marvel because okay. you could not get enough penicillin to treat a single person. Like it, it's funny, seven years it took them to get 480 milligrams and one dose of penicillin is uh, like a gram. So a thousand milligrams four times a day for 10 days. So like right. just nothing, seven years to get half of one dose, crazy. And by the end of it, um, I believe, so penicillin was worth more than gold at the time. Right. And then by the end, when um, a lot of these other issues start coming into play with other antibiotics, penicillin's less than, I think, uh, $10 a gram or something, um, where it just kind of like. But they, just, they just figured out how to manufacture they, they it. They figured out how to manufacture it at bulker scales. And right. then they found some uh, ways of making it more potent. You know, it's just, it was not because of one guy in a lab that discovered penicillin, the penicillin became the drug that it is today. It's because of the business uh, might of Merck in particular that kind of got it there. But that might also created this uh, pharma industrial complex that is dependent on disease now to survive. Hey, you, went, you went mute again. You just got to unclick it. No, you're still muted. Oh, wait. I could see yeah. on the thing. There you go. Yeah, it keeps popping up on the screen. It's delayed for me. It doesn't tell me I'm muted. So, cool. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah. We caught that one quickly. You didn't yeah. go too long with it muted. Rant and then forget what I was talking about. <laughs> like I do sometimes. Uh, um, no, you were telling us, so Merck got married to government yeah. and getting the grants, but they're also, they need diseases for profit. Sound okay. like we're, this let me explain that out a little bit more. Um, I have actually proof of this, but okay. I'm a type one diabetic and I, um, require insulin. Right. I have been so fucked by pharma. So I'm an independent pharmacist that owns pharmacies that big pharma really doesn't want us around. They want Walgreens and uh, PBMs around. So they like to focus that way. I buy drugs more competitively than most of the United States, including the government. And I still pay $1,500 for my insulin every single month, even with, you know, Lily dropping it down to 25 with Mark Cuban. It still hasn't affected us because what he doesn't understand is there's something called the most favored nation clause and insurances contracts are going to last for two years. I mean, 
he is he's affecting it for cash paying customers, which is like less than like three percent of the population. I don't know. It's just like a fart in the wind, in my opinion. <laughs> but it's just uh, he's just making no change. But um, the uh, oh my god, why do I keep losing my train of thought, Robbie? I look like such a fucking retard. No, no, no. you're telling us about uh, the insulin prices. Yeah, yeah. So insulin cost is so high now that a thousand five hundred for me to purchase. Imagine if Eli or uh, Eli Lilly, which is a billion dollar company, Freestyle Libra, Freestyle billion dollar company, Novo Nordisk, a billion dollar company. Uh, some of these companies are billion dollars companies just for test strips, which we don't even use anymore. We use sensors, um, but these have all stayed around because um, the disease of diabetes has gotten so profitable. Um, that I won't say that they're like suppressing the, and this is the premise of my show, the pharma problem, but the fact that it's much more profitable to create treatments than to create cures. Right. Right. So, um, like if you can get somebody like me that has to pay a thousand five hundred dollars a month that yes, I'm not paying that my insurance that I guess I pay for is paying for it, but usually it's an employer that's paying for it and it's not really hitting them direct, but we now see the effect of this across right. the nation and on the economic scale. And it's funny, like nobody looks at it, but it's the only, uh, pharmacy is the only degree. You went, you went mute again, my friend, but it's fine. I know exactly what you're saying that, uh, pharmacy is the only degree. I don't know why, but you're still muted. Yeah, it there takes you go. For me to be okay. able to do it for some reason. Pharmacy is the only degree with an economics doctorate. So right. it's a it's a funky thing, but the pharmacoeconomic impact on like the the budget, the, like everything is well, so it's... drastic. It's almost like more impactful definitely than the war. Right. And, yeah, there's so much focus on how come we're sinking as a company, but you know, just because just like we're pumping money into the the industrial complex, we're pumping it into the pharma industrial complex. Well, it's interesting with the pharma stuff because it's like uh, we've all seen it where every company now they want subscribers. Yep. Right. They want their monthly subscribers more than they want to They want to sell you a subscription. <laughs> so think about it. Fifteen hundred dollars for a medication. That's rent. That like is that's literally. Yeah, that's a monthly subscription for your life uh, that it's a product that you need. And I, I'm sure there's some particulars in insulin. Like I'm sure insulin probably is insulin even that hard to make. Like, uh, why is it? It that is. It, yeah, it is. So actually insulin has been generic for a long time. Right. Uh, this is they a don't common... just put cords into the spine of like poor kids <laughs> in third world countries and suck it out. Actually, I can explain to you exactly how it's made. Cause I actually have a patent, a uh, provisional patent for right. a type of insulin. Wait, before, but... before yeah, we talk yeah. insulin, Science? metformin, uh, oh, I metformin got a friend who's obsessed me. with metformin what? and, uh, why? He thinks that it, uh, his obsession with metformin, it's a Stephen or Wonderboy non-scientist. Okay. And he's got, uh, he says that for one, if you're not making a ton of money or you're not eating a very healthy diet, he sees it as like the body hack for, I guess, your body being able to more efficiently process less nutrient foods. And that it also has uh, uh, anti-aging properties in whatever the way that it uh, increases your estrogen or something along those lines. 
Okay. Yeah. None of that is true. But right. um, I'm giving you the scoop. The, the, yeah. um, the way it works is it prevents glucose release from the liver. Right. Um, it slows down the GI and it will help with the weight loss. Um, there are some benefits uh, like uh, glucose sensitivity, which will have indirect things like what you just mentioned. But the actual mechanism of action is truly for diabetics anyways, because um, we don't really use metformin for non-diabetics, which he is using it off-label for probably like weight loss and things like that is what it sounds like. Would you say it's better though than what that thing that all the celebrities are taking, the Ozempic? Oh, it's definitely not better than Ozempic for weight loss. Oh, but really? it's definitely yeah. cheaper. Um, what makes so, the Ozempic so good? Because they say that it's GLP-1, like... homie. Dude, it's a, it's a great drug. So type 2 diabetes is how it got created. Ozempic right. is semaglutide is the generic name. And semaglutide is something called GLP-1. Um, and that's a peptide that gets released when your stomach stretches. Right. Um, and when your stomach stretches in a type 2 diabetic, type 2 diabetes goes along with metabolic disease a lot. It's not hand in hand, but it's pretty pretty known that if you have type 2 diabetes, you're at risk for hyper like high cholesterol and all these other metabolic diseases. So we kind of classify these type 2 diabetics into metabolic uh, disease patients which have diabetes or something called glucose uh, or uh, glucose or insulin resistance and right um, GLP-1 helps with some of that resistance so it makes you more sensitive to let glucose let insulin let glucose into the cell it also makes your beta cells function a little bit better uh, probably indirectly due to that first thing where it's making them more sensitive the other cells more sensitive um, but it also does something uh, that's unique to kind of it and then another one that's going to be coming out in like five years called uh, that'll have its own name. But it's gastric inhibiting hormone uh, rather than GLP. Um, and those are in studies right now. But it sends uh, uh, something to your brain that basically says that you're hungry or that you're full. You're no longer hungry. And right. I've taken this medicine. You're not supposed to take it as a type one. Let me just say that. Right. My father lost 120 pounds on it. Right. And I'm not saying this because I do own a company that does sell it, but it's, um, it for diabetics reduced A1C, which is kind of like this average blood glucose marker for uh, diabetes by like one, 1%, which is a massive decrease. It's like insulin. So right. it almost replaced because it preserves insulin function, right. replaced insulin. So, and then, yeah, the side particularly, effect is everybody started losing weight. And right. now it's kind of hit the, the mainstream as a diet pill for that side effect where it tells you to stop eating. And it slows down the GI, which also helps with absorption over a right. longer period of time. So you're not turning those that spike of simple sugars into fat, which right. is a what was uh, I? I forget the name of it, but they were talking about some cheaper like supplement that had a similar effect with the. Uh, I guess the. I think you just went mute again. If you can unmute yourself, I. Uh, but they were talking about an all natural supplement that did the same thing of like turning off the hunger in your brain. Yeah, uh, yeah, I looked into that one. I I forgot which what it was but the mechanism was a completely different mechanism of action okay kind of um it was a little misleading when i read it um i read through it and i was like this is not like mimicking glp1 like I, how could you first off it would be like um the reason why they're injected is because they're such big molecules to make and right. um they're very i mean these are 
pharmaco engineer. These are not the, you know, everything, uh, especially Ozempic, Jardiance, uh, Victoza, Bayetta, Bidurion, Victoza, they're all the same class of drug. Um, they've been around for a long time. All too, right. So and they're very hard to make. <laughs> we've been, like- uh, We've been ADD all over the place, which is my yeah, style. Yeah, this is this bad. is no, no. This is the way that my brain thinks too works too. Yeah, but um, l- yeah, let's run the show. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's round out the episode with uh, just a couple of the uh, critical talking points on yeah. uh, what we gathered for, which was starting with yeah. is RFK <laughs> full of shit, and so you have a better understanding of yeah. the way medical studies work, the way that people. Uh, will uh, change the information such as relative risk reduction and absolute risk reduction. Thank you. Yeah, this is the main uh, thing I wanted to talk about too. And yeah. so as RFK talks about uh, vaccine autism, let's start with one, uh, based on what you've seen, do you think that there's any credibility to that? Uh, and two, typically speaking, when you hear him talk about medical issues, like, do you find him to be credible? Okay, I, I think... I think yes is the answer to pretty much everything because now the way he presents the data is where I I find an issue. Um, He uses the tools of his lawyer uh, brain and his science brain, which is great to manipulate data. He uses something called relative risk reduction rather than absolute risk reduction. That's how they sold us the vaccines. You got it. So he did the same thing that the vaccine people did to sell us the vaccine as to unsell us the vaccine. Now, what I think the actual risk is, I think it's, um, it's, there's no way you make safety data and not catch something like an increased rate of autism. So the study that actually disproved it, I think um, had about half a million people and it was a retrospective study, which he makes uh, claims to being flawed since it's not a double blind placebo trial, which I agree with, that's the golden standard. But the thing he doesn't elaborate on is it's impossible to create a double blind study for a vaccine. Like I would have then challenged him to say, okay, you create that double blind study for a vaccine. And what he would realize very quickly is that it's impossible for the reasons he mentioned of um, ethics to do that. Now, um, why? Because it's 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 unethical to leave someone. No. So the ethics part is the probably the part that I had the most flaw with. But you cannot. Um, create a double blind study for a vaccine that would prevent disease, I guess. Okay. Now this, this is a lot, I guess that he can disagree with. Um, but it's, it's, so explain to me the morality of that. Why, why can't you? Okay. Yeah. So the argument is that if you have cancer saving medication, okay which right. this is what they determined at the time. Okay. Yeah. But you don't um, know that something's cancer saving. Yeah, correct. That's, the, to be flaw. that's saving. the flaws that he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, so, cause I saw that by the way, just to speak to the mm-hmm. MRNA vaccine. Yep. Yep. That's how they got rid of the control group was they said, Oh, we can't leave exactly. these people unvaccinated, but which I disagree with because I mean, they yeah. didn't have any uh, study or anything to do to prove that, which he kind of right. mentions. Um, so the, okay. So how do I explain this better? Okay. The reason why you could not have a double blind trial um, is you would have to have um, what, which they did do a double blind trial for uh, COVID and then they reversed it. Right. Uh, But for like, in particular, his autism uh, vaccine, the autism vaccines where they've already been established to prevent something that's really, you know, like whooping cough that affects kids and things like that. 
Um, and I think I'm speaking more towards the autism because I think COVID opens just a, so many different cans of worms because they sidelined so many of the rules, which is my big flaw, right? They they made that rule where they determined right. that something that hasn't been proven to be efficacious can't be retroactively looked at compared to placebo, which then automatically, you're right, gives it the um, bulletproofness of not having any placebo to compare it against, which is a big flaw with COVID. And I'm not saying that, but that is not a flaw with autism and the MM, uh, the Tdap and Dtap vaccines, which he was talking about at the time. So he did like to kind of intermingle. Now, how do you use relative risk reduction? So the the ethics that they use for COVID was the same ethics they use for all vaccines, which I agree is flawed. That right. he needs to point out. Uh, the reason why it's not the same is we had no data to support the claim. You're exactly right. Where we do have data for um, pertussis and things like that, whooping cough, and Tdap and Dtap. So you can't make a retroactive study after uh, something that is preventing disease um, due can to I, the fact just, that it could be cruel. Right. Now, that's that's them. That's not me saying that that's how studies right. should be done. But so that's here, kind of here's kind of the way I'm understanding what you're saying is that there is a small signal, but a signal to suggest that there might be a correlation between vaccines and autism. The problem is I, I'm, I'm kind of this is what yeah, I'm yeah, reading. Yeah. I'm inferring from what you're saying is that yeah. if we currently have a recommendation of 30 different vaccines, we can't take a large group of people and give them none of the vaccines Especially or give this group just one vaccine yep. or just two vaccines, because then we'll be leaving a large portion of the population at risk for serious diseases. And so there's no way for us to untangle which specific vaccine might be creating the autism signal. Another pharma problem. Yes, it's structurally designed, but it was. Um, yeah, that is. That's so then correct. let's just, so let's start with this. What is the autism? Like if you currently, I don't yeah, know what the recommendation is for kids, it. but let's just say that there's 30 vaccines that are being given to kids. What's the risk of them getting autism from taking the entire. So the one I looked at the, yeah. the one that was disproving the guy's original study was a half a million people that they right. looked at. Um, I believe it was um, all kids and it uh, looked at an autism rate of half a million people. It was just under half a million, like 450 million, I think. And there was 352 kids that got autism. So 352 out of 450,000 got autism. Mm -hmm. And that was seemingly from being vaccinated. Or we just know that that's that. So autism. that's the great thing he doesn't do as well. Just because right. it causes, just because there's a correlation doesn't mean causation. Right. So um, he likes to use relative risk reduction that makes right. that number sound a lot bigger than it is. Okay. Right. So absolute risk reduction would be like taking that number, dividing it by the, like dividing 352, uh, by uh the 400 million right. to get like the rate right so now, why i don't what i don't understand about that's this is like relative you, is comparing yeah. that to placebo so right. placebo would then be hey we did a study looking at autism in the placebo group right that didn't get the vaccine which they could do retrospectively but that's not double blind so that's right. what you, that's the thing that people don't understand to be double blind the doctors have to be blind which is the hard part so right. Um, which, and that's very important because doctor guidance is a big problem in studies, like, like 
big problem. So, right. um, all right, where, where, where was I going? But uh, let me ask you this. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to autism. Sure. What are the other things that we know for sure will cause autism? Is it older parents, certain pollutants, uh, drinking while pregnant? Like, I don't know. Like, what do we know for sure? And I'm probably not the best qualified person for diagnosis. Um, right. But it, like, there's some hard things to argue that autism is definitely on the rise. Right. Uh, we do forcibly vaccinate everybody it seems uh whether you call it forcibly or not i believe it's forcibly like i'm not getting a choice to vaccinate my my baby daughter from rsv it's just like they need like the doctors are all recommending it so heavily that it doesn't even feel like a choice now right. the the things that concern me with his, his speech were the the things of them like changing thresholds for autism that's concerning because they're changing the threshold for what they consider like significant because like, like, Oh, cause then they can, then they can have le basically less autism. It's exactly, exactly what Fauci did during yeah, COVID you're moving the line for what yeah. is considered efficacy, but all he at best case scenario, if he were to prove everything that he said and kind of all the rates and stuff, the best thing he could do is that say that, uh, he could say that there is a chance that autism caused it, not that autism caused it. And this happens with P values. You mean the vaccine? Studies. Yeah. And the vaccine. Uh, exactly. Right. Because P values basically are the strength of the study. Right. And if you have a P value of like 0.05, that means um, out of a thousand times, only five of the times was it out of a uh, chance alone that we got this. All right. Let me ask so, you two different questions then. Yeah. You as a single individual, you have kids. Uh -huh. What's your incentive to not basically free ride and go, listen, there's enough other people out there being vaccinated. Uh, I'm not concerned that my child's going to get, you know, whooping cough. And so, fuck it. I'm yeah, not going to get immunity. Them, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get them. And like, why you as an I'm not talking about society. I'm saying mm -hmm. you as an individual, uh, does it make sense to try and free ride off of the fact that everyone else is getting vaccinated? Or is there just not that much of an autism risk? Um, okay, so I, I would say that there's not that big of an autism risk and the risk okay. hasn't been correlated well, can enough I, can for I throw me one, to say causation. Can I, can I throw one more kicker on it? Yeah, yeah. Are there me. any particular vaccines that they think are worse than others in terms of, like, is it the vaccines that are causing the autism? Like, I even in his correlation? Good. Or is it more like what he was saying, the mercury and the other shit that they're putting into it? I think it's hard to know. You have like six types of vaccines. Some right. of the some of them are the kinds that he's talking about, where you have not something that agitates, right? Right. It's like the like he uses scare tactics, like the most harmful thing. Um, yeah, okay, but that's what we have to use so that the body realizes that this is harmful. And right. We deactivated it, and like now I'm not talking about his uh, the mercury stuff because mercury's been taken out since. Right. Uh, because because of, I think, the studies he kind of was referencing. Now, I I don't know that for a fact, but I know that phasing out of mercury, because the first thing is mercury is not needed. Mercury is only in multi-dose vials and it's because and it separates out the the particulates. So you can give 10 doses out of one vial. If you have single syringes, you don't even need the mercury, um, which everybody switched to single syringes a, a while ago. So that's a big flaw. Um I don't know. He, All right. I'm he gonna used relative up. risk reduction right. in correlation with, so, and let me just round it out. 
uh, the autism, if you were to look at placebo, you have half a million people that didn't get it, half a million that got it. And there's 350 that got autism in placebo and 355 that got it in non-placebo. Right. You would say the absolute risk reduction is like the same, right? It's like almost identical because it's so... But if you were to compare the 350 to the 355 is what he was doing, right? right? And you're just taking everything else out of context because now, yeah, that is a big, like five more people got autism. Right. But it's like very easily could have been due. If you do a hundred of these studies, it would have flopped the other way because of uh, just chance alone. And that's right. what a p-value establishes. And most of the stuff he has are all case studies, which don't even have p-value. So you can't strat, uh, you can't get data from it. I mean, he has 450 case studies, I guess. That's cool. Um, now, the, like, but like you said, I did an entire search on PubMed. There's no double blind trials. So the best you can do is like these retrospective studies where they looked at people that took the vaccine and didn't take the vaccine as opposed right. to like unethically giving some a vaccine of a very deadly disease and not, you know? Right. So, all right. I got a totally different question yeah. for you and you might not I have mean, an answer for this. Uh, probably not. <laughs> all right. I, at one point in time, when I was in, when I was in high school, I had a very good system for uh, smoking cigarettes, which mm -hmm. was, I never smoked them two days in a row. I kept to that. I kept to that rule. And honestly, it kept me from getting addicted because it was always like I'd have a night, I'd be out smoking, then I'd want a cigarette mm -hmm. the next day. I'd be like, just fight this battle now. Yeah. And then like, and then at one point I was in Israel drinking every night at the beginning of like first get in there uh, for like the first month. And I broke that rule. And then I had at one point, like I had to actually quit smoking. And I wasn't even like a pack a day type person. Yeah. It was more like the cigarette before bed. But I remember yeah. having to quit. Like I picked a day and it sucked. And I was like, I'm never getting addicted to cigarettes again. Yeah. Since then, I smoke maybe a pack a year. And That's as a person too. who's... As a person who's kind of like even like highly addicted to stuff, I don't find cigarette like that. It, like I don't. All right. Anyways, I once read like I 10 years ago. Just to yeah, be honest. I've, I'm had, saying, I've, I've had my addiction issues with yeah. alcohol, you know, things. Uh, cigarettes were, yeah, kind of a tough day or whatever. Um, right. And like pouches and stuff. I know a lot of people struggle with right. like Zen. Um, but that, that's what I'm getting to. So yeah. I'm getting to. So then I read years later, I was reading this thing about how nicotine is actually a very good drug it's a fairly healthy stimulant it actually has some effects for uh parkinson's alzheimer's yep alzheimer's and that Correct. smoking uh is very dangerous but nicotine as a drug is actually uh seemingly safe i don't want to get you in trouble here but it seems to be fairly safe and a decent drug it's a carcinogen for sure oh um, it is but but yeah uh, nicotine is all over your body you have something called nicotinic receptors Right. Um, and that's why it has an effect too. nicotine. That would be like saying estrogen is carcinogenic as well, but right. it's in your body. So like, so yes, uh, levels are all like the sun is carcinogenic. Right. Right. Um, so nicotine, yes, is high levels more so, but I, I don't think that there's been any good data, like, especially like vapes and uh, Zen where you're kind of taking out all the harmful things that are very carcinogenic, you know, right. not just like kind of the, the things that keep nicotine around longer, essentially in a cigarette. And that's right. the ones that we worry about a lot of times. Um, I think you take all those out and yeah, you're, I mean, those cancer sticks really shouldn't have been like available if they're going to put all these health requirements on us for like 
like if they're going to force you to take a vaccine, but make a cigarette legal, there's kind of like a, uh, a little All right, a so double edged sword there. Look at, I, I'm convinced based on nothing other than my own personal experience that, uh, I think time will tell that maybe the vape pens are actually more dangerous than smoking itself. The it only could. reason, the only reason I say that is that my experience with those vape pens are that if I go smoke, let's just say a pack of Marlboro Reds tomorrow, or I take someone's vape pen and I'm just hitting it hard for an evening, yeah. my throat is way harsher right. from that vape pen. Like I feel it way more the next day in my lungs and in my throat. And I just, I just don't believe that that's like, but now I've gone slightly more into the Zen thing. Yep. Uh, and I'm wondering if there's also like some gum or other problem that just because it's newer, I'm not familiar with. Um, so the gum's been around a long time, as you know, where you take one. No, bite. I mean more just like putting it on my gum. Like, is there some oh. sort of a cancer that like I might be exposing so, myself to, but I'm just not aware of yet. Yeah. So the problem with chew is that it's got little pieces of, um, they say fiberglass, but it's, it's just, it makes it more fibery. Um, but it, it causes damage and a little bit of damage to let the nicotine in. Right. Um, and that damage plus the nicotine, uh, and tobacco, uh, I mean, it's a carcinogen with damage. I mean, you do have a risk, uh, what the right. risk is, it, it'll kind of be like time will tell. I mean, nicotine is a carcinogen. Um, is it as deadly? Like, I think people try and associate it so much with like cigarettes, like you're saying, like it's such right. a carcinogen, but that's not necessarily the case. Like nicotinic receptors, nicotine is a big, uh, stimulant. It helps with Alzheimer's. It's helps with, it's a neurotransmitter. Uh, technically, because it has receptors. Um, and, and that might be wrong, but it is a transmitter, if not neuro. Right. It is definitely a transmitter. It's got to be a neurotransmitter if it gets you high, too. I, I, so I, essentially, I correct myself again. <laughs> this product hasn't been around for 30 years. Correct. And we we know that we by, know. by shoving it onto your gum, you're creating like little lacerations that you're then shoving nicotine into. 30 years from now, that could be an issue, but we're not going to know for 30 So no years. lacerations in that one. That's actually absorbed in the gut. So there's some differences. It's not right. chew. It's not uh, the same mechanism of action as chew. Right. Um, it's actually you're swallowing the nicotine and then absorbing it in the gut as opposed right. to... Um, and I know that nicotine absorbed in the gut can cause stomach cancer. I actually had family members that died from chewing and swallowing chew. Really? Um, but, you know how much of that was nicotine and how much was the other stuff. So right. it's, it's hard to, it's impossible to if tell. We could like, get, I had an entire right. family side that like Hick Idaho dudes that are farmers, potato farmers, right. uh, family members that all died of stomach cancer because they were swallowing chew and farming. If we could get our hands on it mm -hmm. and I can make myself uh like cocaine leaf chew or cocaine leaf tea. Oh, that's how they get them to keep working at the coca but plants would that just they be like leaves would that actually be the healthiest and best sub like a uh, stimulant if you could get unprocessed uh, cocaine leaves not or... a great stimulant I, I i think amphetamine or ritalin is probably a cleaner one uh right. just for the fact that it causes uh numbing uh cocaine in particular is a number right um, and then it also affects serotonin a little bit heavier too. Um, you mean it depletes it quicker? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's 
overcranks it and then depletes. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, so right. it's kind of like this wave. It's not right. a stayed, steady thing. I like, try and pay yeah. that forward to people is that uh, Ritalin and Adderall are just better. Like if you're going out drinking, it's a better drug. It's a more even burn, stays with you all night. Like <laughs> it, it is. But I, I, I am uh, unfortunately way too versed on this. I think yeah. it's like the, the burnout phase really gets people into a lot of trouble with over drinking and overusing of other stimulants like nicotine. I'm sure you noticed your nicotine intake increase with Adderall or amphetamines. That's pretty common. Your brain, your brain's kind of stimmed out a little and it's uh, wanting just a little bit more, which is the problem with cocaine. It's the problem with uh, not necessarily meth, but other stimulants where you're also meth the healthiest. You heard it from doctor. Meth is a long acting and (laughs) listen to this. Meth yeah. is a C2, not a C1. Okay. So it does have clinical uh, efficacy and it's right. used. I've prescribed or not prescribed it. I dispensed it. Now, this person, I think, was a meth addict. Like, I don't think it's used very commonly. <laughs> like, right. uh, but um, they use it for actually ADD. So whoa, it's whoa, in a whoa. five milligram dose. I promise. I could can... I can pull it up. I could buy it right now. Methamphetamine, five milligram tablets. What, is that dexedrine or what's like, what would be the, uh, that's the old name that was over the counter or like, so right. yeah, no, Cause I always thought, I thought dexedrine, I thought dexedrine was essentially speed. Dexedrine, uh, is another amphetamine like substance. It's right. Uh, dextro though, not methyl. Right. right. So methyl Wait, but methamphetamine is just stronger. There's an actual pill that comes in five milligram form that is yeah. meth. I have a, my dad could send me a picture of the bottle he has on his shelf because he has a patient on it at our pharmacy. It's just a, like you can get that it's prescribed for your. Methamphetamine five milligram tablet to take by mouth for ADD. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what's funny? When I was in uh, Mexico, uh-huh. I got a box of Mexican Ritalin. It was 50 uh-huh. pills. Uh-huh. And I believe it was that because it just said on it methamphetamine and <laughs> yeah. I took I took it on the last night I was there and it was me and Johnny from uh, Peddling Fiction and it was uh-huh. wonderful and I <laughs> it was wonderful. I'm telling you, it was the best fucking time and I yeah. had 90 pills of it. But like I also had that meth moment where I was like, I, oh. I couldn't. This I couldn't. Probably what meth people think too, right? I, <laughs> yeah, like I just no, yeah. I I I bought, I bought myself a uh, year supply of ivermectin and then oh, ninety yeah. days worth of. Uh, I thought I was buying Ritalin, but it literally said methyl something on the thing. And me and him took it, and we're like, "Whoa, this shit's heavy!" Uh, <laughs> and then I left <laughs> it in Mexico because I was too scared to fly with it. But I think I legally could have brought that back. I just uh, didn't know what the yeah, way. you can. Um, if it's like, yeah, they can't do anything about it. Um, wow, dude, Johnny, if you're out there, I got to get back to Mexico just to pick up a big case of meth and bring it home. That was a nice, uh, that, I mean, that could be a three year supply for me in the way I take this shit. <laughs> when you land, you got you're on your own, but, um, right. <laughs> Wait, so they but technically methamphetamine yeah. would be a safe one though, because it's, uh, prescriptive in the United States. Right. So, so I just have to find myself a really cool dog. Come back with heroin and you're fine. I, you know, I just have to find myself. That one's on the no fly list. If I can find <laughs> myself a cool enough doctor, I can literally get meth prescribed. That to is me. true. Yeah. Wow. Which is right. kind of scary, you know? Yeah. Doctors are like me, I guess. They're not, they're just normal people. Same with like, like, I don't know. It's kind of scary. Uh, just. Just how corrupt the pharma, like how many people have to participate for a lot of these things to happen. And you're right. just like, 
is everybody corrupt or are they just not looking at the information? And it seems right. to be that they're not all corrupt. They're just not looking at the information. Hell yeah. And, all right. Wild yeah. episode. We covered a lot. I got to yeah. get into the city. I'm Sorry, gonna go do, yeah, uh, yeah. We got to get out. <laughs> no, I gotta, yeah, I got to well, go do Mike Vecchio and investigates. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you uh, yeah. plug both the podcast and the service oh, thanks, for anyone man. who's interested? Yeah. So us, uh, uh, the pharma problem or premier pharma or a cure. Um, those are some of my companies. Uh, we fight, I guess, the pharma problem. Um, we do things like government grants, uh, socialized healthcare, which I am a hardcore anarchist libertarian. So it makes it hard to adopt uh, socialized medicine. But uh, when it's so broken here, it's kind of like, what are we going to do? Just not have medicine? Like, right. that's the other alternative because it's so married. Um, so I think we truly navigated in the most ethical way possible. And we have a transparent model and transparency is the one thing you're not going to get from the big three. Um, the big three being McKesson, Amerisource, Bergen, and Cardinal. Um, and transparency and uh, accountability is our big, biggest thing because that's the one thing that's not happening in healthcare. And it's the one thing we want to change. We talk about it on the pharma problem. My partner, he's an ex-Oxycontin uh, addict um, and I'm me. And we talk about drugs and uh, all sorts of uh, interesting topics like the farm industry because he's actually a recovering uh, heroin addict that is a making a lot of money as a sales pharma rep now. So he's Hell got yeah. a very interesting perspective on life. There you go. <laughs> Just like right. I do. So well, thanks, uh, guys. We'll have you back on the next time a science topic comes up that we need the Sounds insight good. on. Everyone have a great day and check out right. premierpharma.com. Later, everybody. Thanks. See ya. Peace.